Well, isn't it great to be in the house of God this morning? Aren't you just excited to be here? To just know that God loves you and he cares for you and he died and rose again for you that we can experience life and life more abundant? Is anybody experiencing life this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man, it has just been such an amazing time uh, this morning with our church family or if you're watching online. We just know that God is up to amazing things, isn't he? And we get the chance to partner with him. We get the chance to partner with the Holy Spirit and just be able to walk. It's like that's been my heart's cry before we even get started. Like I just, my heart's prayer has been, God, what more can I do to co-labor with you? What more can I do to walk alongside you, to, to be led by you, to be guided by you, that your Holy Spirit would lead me and guide me into all truth and righteousness. So this morning, Holy Spirit, we just say release all that has all that you that you're doing this morning we say holy spirit release and set free every chain and wall that has walked into this place this morning we say that we are not going to leave the same way that we walked in through these doors but we are going to leave changed and revived and refreshed because of the encounter that we have with a man named jesus christ so let our hearts be open to what you have to say this morning. Let our ears be listening to what you have to say. We say every enemy, every demon, every lie from the enemy has to be released right now in Jesus' name. That you've got to go. You don't have place here anymore. Oh, we serve an amazing God. We serve a risen Savior. And there's nobody like him nobody like I just feel like we got to do some kingdom business for a moment is that okay like would you just close your eyes and put your hands out I just feel like what the father's doing this morning is that we're just going to get ready we're going to prepare and we're going to move forward but I just know man whoa yeah there are some amazing things happening right now God we say to every every single person let, let that you would begin to feel his love I just even to the brokenhearted this morning to those of you that have walked in whether it be your first time or your hundredth time that you would just begin to experience and feel the love of God wrapping his arms around you to let you know it's okay you're not gonna stay here forever that it's okay you're not gonna be going through this mess forever that he's here to bring you out and bring you through I feel it's even like we just got to come to him as children as my children just come into the room if they have a bad dream or or something scared them and we just don't we just don't leave it at that man we go right into the room with them and we just start taking care of things right there that they don't have to experience that fear they don't have to feel that worry or anxiety or be trying to check the locks on the door to make sure did we lock it correctly what i feel like what god is doing is releasing such an amazing powerful word over each and every one of us that what it's going to take is you proclaiming it from your mouth that what i want to see is the glory of god to fill the temple to fill not just these for walls but to fill this bodily temple of you Jesus that I become a conduit of your presence that everywhere I go becomes a perfect health zone that everywhere I go fear has to flee that everywhere I go that Jesus you are the one that reigns and rules and and is and is proclaimed as King Jesus this morning man my heart has just been like bursting at the seams to want to be with you guys this morning I just got to tell you Last week, um, as, as we were we were worshiping and 
And I just started to get this like word from the Lord. I'm, I'm already sweating, so just bear with me. And uh, as I started to receive like this word from the Lord, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit was like, when Pastor Lynn asks you to speak, don't, don't do your normal. Well, I don't know. And uh, I was like, you know, all right, we'll do it. But, you know, if he asked, I don't know. We didn't talk. We didn't discuss anything. Um, and then Sunday, last week was Social Sunday. And didn't we have such an amazing time at Social Sunday? And the team did so awesome of serving chicken and mashed potatoes. And I think it was salad. I didn't get any salad. That's rabbit food. But, like, um, <laughs> I'm just, just trying to talk with you for a minute. Um, you know, they always know when they come through, they're like, salad, no. Mm. Like, hey, listen, you've known me for a few years. We don't eat that. So, but, uh, but it was such a great time. And then afterwards, me and Pastor just got to talking and he said, I, I'd like to know if you'd like to speak next week. And I just started laughing. And he said, what are you laughing for? And I was like, it's because I just literally heard the Holy Spirit say, like, when you ask, don't say no. And, uh, and that's what I feel like the Lord really wants to do with every single one of us is that when he asks, we don't say, we don't tell, say no. I think when we say yes to Jesus, there's, this, there's sometimes this fear that wants to come in that are we going to do the right thing? Are we going to say the right thing? Are we going to be prepared correctly? Are we gonna, do we have to have all of our ducks in a row? Do we got to do all these things? And yet all he's looking for is our yes. All he's looking for is just our yes to him and everything that he wants to do. If you have your Bibles, I'm gonna jump into a few verses here. I got a few minutes with you, but I feel like there's a word that God really wants to give to us this morning. It's Luke chapter seven, starting with verse number 36. Luke chapter seven, going from 36 through 50. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, and we have it up on the screen for you if you'd like uh, to read along. It says, and uh, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them with her hair. She then kissed his feet and putting, perf and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, when he invited, Pharisee um, saw Excuse me, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Like, man, when Jesus says, I've got something to say to you, like, I hope this is our, our answer as well. Simon, the, the, the Pharisee said, uh, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus said, excuse me, Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them, canceling their debt. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. I feel like Jesus is doing like a Sunday school lesson. There's a little talk that he's having. Then, then he, Jesus, uh, excuse me, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. 
Uh, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. I felt like we just sang that a minute ago. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. But Jesus, then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sin? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has, has saved you. Go in peace. Wow, we could literally just stop there, couldn't we? I feel like the word that we're going we're gonna to really dive into here, if you stay with me for a few moments, is that breaking the box. That's what the Lord wants to do is break the box with us. So breaking the box will be our sermon title for today. If you're taking notes, and hopefully you are, that'd be awesome. Um, so we see where Jesus is invited to this man, Simon's house, the Pharisee. And the Bible says that when he was eaten, a certain immoral woman who had heard that he was eating there decided to make her way. I'm sure just like all of us starting with hearing about Jesus, right? The Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That as she heard that Jesus was coming and the, the story here, Luke, in the book of Luke, he's very clear of what he has heard them talk about this woman as an immoral woman. And it starts off with who she was or who she was being called. She has only, I'm sure, walked into the room and already being reminded of the people standing in there of who she is and who she's called. And again, the Bible, it says that, she said, that it says that she heard about this man named Jesus. And she decided to make her way to the house. Because much like each and every one of us, at first by coming that invitation by the Spirit of God, that he draws us to him, that I want to do something in your life. But there's a choice that each and every one of us have to make. And are we going to go to where we have heard about this man named Jesus? I feel like even like as the testimony was given by Stephen, like so awesome, man, of, your, of being baptized and all that he is doing. It's like the invitation giving of the best decision that we can ever make is saying yes to Jesus. No matter the circumstance, no matter how much we have it together or don't have it together, or the sins that may have even been committed last night, what matters most is where is my focus going to be that I have heard about this man named Jesus? That I want to be at his feet with everything that he has to say. Amen. She knew the opportunity that she would have to be able to sit at his feet. I'm sure that maybe she even thought within herself, like, is it really going to work out? She's going to a place that she was not invited to. She was not welcomed there. And we see it where even the Pharisees begin and the people around begin to say that, you know, if he really was a man of God, and we're going to dive into a little bit of this, um, but if he really was a man of God, he would know that the, even the person touching his feet, who she is and what she has done. But aren't you so thankful that even though he knows, Jesus knows who I was and who I, what I was doing and the sins that I committed, still looked past it and still saw me through his rose-colored eyes, through his blood-washed eyes that said, I know who you are and who you're really called to be. 
Again, we do it with our kids, right? We do it as we speak into the next generation that you may be going through this, but let me tell you who God's really called you to be. But then it's easy to say it, but it's even more difficult for us to believe it. Because it's easy for us to proclaim it over somebody else than it is to proclaim it over our own lives. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. I got a lot of notes. So I'm, I'm trying to kind of move us a little bit, okay? Um, I talk really fast, so hopefully it's just stay with, stay with me. I'm trying to make sure that God's got, God wants to say it. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, and he loved us so much. Everyone say, he loved us so much. Come on, say it. Say, he loved me so much. Yeah, verse 5, it says that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Okay, like this verse has hit me so hard between the eyes. And it said that even though you were dead because of your sins, even though we were dead because of the sin of fear, of worry, of shame, of guilt, that Jesus said that, that what the Bible says here in Ephesians is that he gave us life. In the middle of our mess, he gave us life. In the middle of our trial, he gives you life. In the middle of our circumstance, he gives us life. Why? Because Jesus doesn't just see the circumstance. What he sees is his child that he wants to raise up to be who God really calls you to be. I'm telling you, like, it's, it's so awesome. You know, I always tell you about my kids. Like, I always, we, have, we share those stories. Um, I say we. I share those stories. But anyways, um, uh, and so those, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's easy with our kids um, when things start to go wrong. And I remember that's the one thing that we always try to catch ourselves is this is not who God has called you to be. God has called you to be, and then we start speaking into their life. Now, right now, it tends to be a little bit more with my youngest son um, that we tend to have this conversation a lot more with um, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> but... How much more is it that us as the children of God have to be reminded every single day that this is who God has called me to be? When we begin to walk in that, there's a certain level of standing up straighter, a certain level of kind of keeping our head up. Again, it's not in pride, but it's in confidence because we know the power source that we're connected to. We know that it's Jesus that gives us everything. And so when we begin to walk through this, as Ephesians says, that even though we were dead because of our sins, even though we were dead because of the mistakes that we had done, even though we were dead because of what the enemy has tried to say against you or to you, or you have even started to believe, the one thing that I hope that we catch is that he gave us life. He has given us life. Man, and it's not just like life, and it's life more abundant. It's life more than we could even hope, dream, or imagine. I was thinking about the story and how much, how long, I guess, my question would be, and again, this would be kind of some things that, you know, you want to get to heaven, you have all these, like, lists of questions, like, really, you know, how tall was David? And, and I really want to know, like, how, how I mean, that's, that's like my question. I want to know how tall he was. And then, um, you know, with a slingshot, really, how good was he? Like, I want to know. I want to kind of, let's, let's prepare this. And then it's like there's, there's different questions that you have. And this is one of the questions that I have as I was reading the story, is how long did she wait till she actually entered the room? 
Now, Jesus said from the moment he got there, but we read in the story, Jesus is just saying that when he walked in, the Pharisee, the person who was supposed to have it all together, weren't, wasn't doing the courtesy of what was supposed to happen when he walked in the room. But instead, here's this woman. So I'm wondering, how long did she actually stay there? How long did she actually uh, stay within herself and, and, and back up before she actually made her way to his feet? And so, and so when we're reading here, and it's talking that, it's like, how much did she actually start to think within herself that if I enter the room, are they going to talk about me? If I enter the room, are they going to whisper? If I enter the room, is there going to be condemnation? You know, we hear it all the time when you invite somebody to church and they say, I can't go in there because I'll just set on fire. Has anybody ever heard that before? Okay, yeah. They say, I can't walk in there because the whole room will crumble down on me. You know, uh, there, there's all these things that they start to say because they, they literally are coming in with the guilt and shame. But yet we read and we sing about that perfect love casts out all fear. Amen. We read about this love of Jesus that ends up casting out all the, all the fear, all the worry, all the shame, all the guilt. But here it's a decision that we have to make as we hold on to this alabaster box, as we hold on to this jar, as we hold on to the things that we feel that Jesus ultimately needs to get and we need to get it to his feet. But how much are we holding on to? Some, invent, some, some studying that I was doing yesterday before we went to the football game, it was so awesome. Um, it just ran really late for me. Um, but it was so cool to be there with, with all the guys and just have a great time. Um, and plus, too, they won. Like, you know what I mean? It was a great time. But it was even better when they started, like, got the interceptions and then they won the game. You know, it was a little bit better. Plus, too, it was just really funny to watch my brother-in-law, like, shiver as he forgot his, as he was wearing shorts to the football game. Um, but, hey, listen, it happens. We won't hold that against him. And so, some, so as I was doing some studying, there's some biblical accounts that I want to bring to your attention about the alabaster box. The alabaster stone was commonly found in Israel, and it was a hard stone resembling white marble and is uh, referred to as one of the most precious stones used in the decoration of Solomon's temple. So the container that the woman, was used, or that the, that the woman used to carry the perfume um, oil was made of white marble substance. Ointments, oils, and perfumes were used to put into this vessel made of alabaster to keep them pure and unspoiled. The boxes were often sealed or made fastened with wax to prevent the perfume from escaping. Alabaster was a beautiful substance and strong enough to keep the oil or perfume completely contained until the time of its use. Does that kind of put it a little bit more into context? And so I was, I was going around, I was trying to find a box, and, uh, and I was trying to find certain things, so I found this box, so we're going to pretend like this is our alabaster box, all right? So... Here's our, here's our Sunday school lesson with me. Stay with me. Is that when she got ready to bring the box, I mean, excuse me, when she heard about Jesus, the very first thing that she grabbed was what was most precious to her. Maybe the sins that she had been described for was the way even that she may have even paid for this most expensive box. Or was it even being said, there's even another uh, uh, commentary that says that when um, sometimes at parents, what they would do in that custom or in that time frame is that when they had a daughter, they would buy a box, an alabaster box, and they would fill it with perfume and oil until the day of her wedding. And then she would break the box and use it um, to, to adorn herself with those perfumes as she walked down to meet her new groom. 
So here's the thing that I, that I, that I kind of question and I, and I talk about for a moment. Is it doesn't matter if she had used the sins or used what she had said to get here, or even if she had been bought this box, what she knew to do is when she heard about Jesus, she grabbed the thing that was going to be most precious to her that maybe she kept, maybe she kept it close, maybe she kept it under her bed, but she didn't care most about what was in the box. She cared about who was she going to pour it onto. Because rather it had been her parents that had given her to give to her groom, or rather it had been because she had bought it because of the sins that she had done, she cared about who was she going to pour it out on. You see, here's the thing. It's like when we become, when we come into an encounter with God, we all come with our own little alabaster box. We all come with the things that we find the most precious. We find the most, most gracious. I mean, I just totally felt like my precious. So, and then, (laughs) Sorry. That was like totally a thing. That was, boom. Okay, stay with me. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so I know I was totally like gonna start like caressing it and everything. So, <laughs> but so many times we're holding on to the things that's the most precious when yet what the Lord has called us to is to pour it out on Him. And what are we holding precious to? What are we really holding on to? What is it that, that we can bring to his feet? And if it's a gift, if it's a, if it's a anointing, a gifting, a calling that he has called us to, but yet we're holding on to it because maybe, maybe she kept it because she didn't know exactly where to go with it. Or maybe, maybe she even held on to it that maybe at that time, like in, in culture that they were trying, maybe somebody tried to take it from her. Maybe, maybe the box itself was a little dirty, but, but it was what was contained inside was the most precious thing that she knew was the most valuable. And when she heard about this man named Jesus she said it doesn't matter what the outside looks like I just know I got to get it to his feet she said I got to pour it out onto him literally this woman starts to give all her worries her cares over to this man named Jesus can you put on the screen first Peter chapter 5 verse 7 this verse, I'm telling you, it's, it, I, I think I use it so much, and I go back to it even in my own life. And it says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Short, sweet, to the point. Give it to God because he, get, he wants to give something even more amazing to you, and that's his peace, his love, and his joy. What we can do is we can give our worries to, over to him, and he's the one that's going to take it. And he's the one that's actually going to make it into, uh, make us into who he has called us to be. Does this make sense a little bit? Okay. So and when we're reading back to our, our portion of scripture in Luke, verse 38, it says, Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she, ki- she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. This is interesting enough because it says that she knelt behind him. She didn't come in front of him. She didn't feel, I'm sure, in my mind, I'm thinking, like I'm sure within her mind she didn't feel worthy enough to come before him, so she actually came behind him. That she didn't feel like she was good enough. Maybe it's the shame Maybe she was afraid. Maybe there's so much that was going through her mind that she said, I can't stand in front of him, but I'll stand behind him. How many times in our prayer life have we done that 
where we felt the guilt and shame because of sin, because of things that we've thought about, things that have looked at, things of all these things, and yet we don't feel like we can really come to God because of because of what we have done, and we can't be in front of him, but so we're just going to stand behind him. But yet the verse that we just read that says, when I give it all to God, I've got to give it all to him because he cares for me. So even in the middle of my mess, it's not about staying there. It's about giving it to him because of the sin that he has already went to the cross for to have victory over, that we can have victory with him when we give it all to him. She knelt behind him weeping. Tears, I'm sure, with sizable tears. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I can only imagine how, how hard she's crying and how big her tears are coming. And, and I'm sure maybe we have been there. Um, but it's like it, when she got to his feet, here's what the first thing that she began to do was she began to weep and kneel down at his feet. Psalms chapter 34, verse 6, it says, in my, de- in my desperation, I prayed, and the Lord listened. He saved me from all my troubles. In, in my desperation, I prayed. I didn't, know, I didn't have to take my box to anybody else or to this self-help spot and try to help me multiply this. In my desperation, I prayed to the Lord, and he listened, and he saved me from all my troubles. Because just like we read in Peter earlier, we said, when we give all of our care, we want to give all of our cares to him because he already cares for us. That he wants to save us from all of our troubles. But again, it's really coming down to, are we willing to give it over to him and not pick it back up? How many times have we given up something and then we've been like, just kidding, Jesus. Like, it was cool. You know, I was, just, I was just playing. It was Sunday morning. Songs were going. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And I was like, yes, Jesus. And then Monday morning hit, and I was like, just kidding. I'm going to take that back. You know, right? Sometimes it doesn't even get to Sunday morning. Come on, be honest. Sometimes it's like Sunday night, and we're picking it back up again. <laughs> you know? And, and it's like, but the things that we are called to do is to bring it to his feet. What we have to do is spend time at his feet. Verse 39, it says, when the Pharisee who had invited him said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Yeah, immoral. How dare he? Right? How dare he allow her to touch him? And how dare she touch him? Verse 40, it says, then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. He said, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Okay, let's stop for a minute. Let's look at those verses again where it says, Simon said to himself. Simon didn't say to others. Now I feel like we're playing a game. Simon, the Pharisee, said to himself. He has this thought And here's the next verse where Jesus answered his thoughts. It struck me. I've read this verse, I mean, read these verses in the story like a bunch of times. Like it's just, it it kept going through. And then when I was really starting to to listen to this and, and read through it and read it and read it and read it, it was like, wait a minute. He said within himself, now, 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 maybe this may be a question when we get to heaven. It's like, did he say it to himself, like, inside? Or was it one of those thoughts that he shouldn't have said, but it came out of his mouth? Has anybody ever had one of those moments? You know, I've been there. Like, 
that you're, you kind of stop and you're like, did I say that out loud? I did say that out loud. Mm, you know, that even happened last time I preached, so I'm trying to watch it. And so, but it, it's like those thoughts that Simon said within himself, and Jesus answered his thoughts. Can I, can I, can I say something to you? Do you suppose that our thoughts and our words matter? And that even when we said it to ourselves, Jesus still heard it? So it matters what we say even inside of ourselves. It matters of the word. And I've told you guys this before, and I know I'm just saying it again. It's like one of the things that even like I know when I've messed up and, and I've said it out loud or I've said it in my mind, it's like, man, stupid Tim. And then my wife starts to correct me and says, you're not stupid. Quit saying that. And it's like, and it's very true, right? So I, I don't now. Now I'm like, man, Tim. <laughs> because it matters what we say to ourselves. If our words are powerful to proclaim healing over somebody, your words are just as powerful when you put your hand on your own head and proclaim healing over myself. Like our words are so, so powerful. And I love that part where it says, Simon said to himself, like, if he really is, and then Jesus, it's like Jesus' spiritual antenna was, you know, always up and always connected to the Father. And then I get sure, like, Jesus is looking at the woman, he's like, boop, Simon. Like, I'm going to answer some thoughts here that you just had. Like, in the whole entire room, he just busts him out, right? But how cool, it's because we know, we know the story of Jesus. We know his character. We know that when he calls something out, it's because he wants us to rise up, never to bring guilt or shame, but for us to have an, ex, an encounter with him to just to feel his love. So I'm sure he's doing this as a teaching moment. And he says it out loud to himself. Um, Simon even said it within his own heart. He's the one who invited Jesus to his house. He's the one that invited Jesus to come have dinner. He's the one that invited Jesus to be there. But yet, here's Simon upset because here comes this lady that he feels like shouldn't be there at all. You see, because here's the deal. We're going to continue diving in, but here's the thing. Simon invited him into his house, but Simon was not inviting him into his heart. That makes sense. Simon invited him into his house, but he never invited him into his heart because he was cool with Jesus coming in because maybe it looked good to the rest of the Pharisees. I, I got Jesus to come eat chicken with me. Like, I got Jesus to come in and sit with me. I got Jesus. I mean, and, and, and it looked good on the outside, but yet his heart was so far from him. And maybe that's an opportunity for us to kind of do this. I did this heart check moment Whereas, am I inviting him into my heart or am I just letting him into my house? You know, we, we've gone over, you, you go over to people's houses um, and our, our, let's just, let's back it up. You, you can come over to our house and our, our kids like their cousins to come over until the cousins start to play with their toys. <laughs> then we have an issue. 
All of a sudden, the, the cousins want to go play in my oldest son's room, and he's like standing in front of the door like, no, it's off limits. You know, I just did my bed, and I, the Xbox is in there. You can't. No, no. And I thought about this. If, how many times did we invite Jesus in, but we don't actually allow him to move the things that he needs to do? Or to actually be, oh, yeah, no, let's, let's talk about it for a minute, shall we? Like, that's the big part. It's like we want him to save our marriages, okay? And I'm saying this, I am married, and I know, I, believe me, I, I'm not the perfect husband, but thank you, Jesus, I'm perfect because of Christ. And so, but, but here's the deal. Like, we want him to be in the middle of our marriage, but I'm still not willing to change how I'm actually being a husband right now. Can I be real with you, right? Like, I, I want my kids to be changed. I want God to come into the middle of my home, but I'm not willing to change and turn off Netflix for 10 more minutes so we can spend time in the Word of God. Like, we're willing to invite Him into our house, but we're not willing to invite Him into our heart. And that's where we get stuck a lot of times. And I know it's easy to be like, Pharisees, pff, they didn't have it together. But where were we in this story? Were we the Pharisee that said, like, hey, I invited him in, but I didn't give him what he actually was worthy of. I didn't give him over the things. I didn't take care of him like I was supposed to. I was so worried about what others may look, what others may think about, but I wasn't actually concerned about the one who actually looks at the heart and not just the outward appearance. Jesus begins to tell the story. No, wait, back up. I had a really good point here. We're going to say this. We limit him on what he can actually do by how much are we really, really willing to give up. We limit him on what he can actually do by how much we're really willing to give up. I heard a quote the other day, and it, and it struck me, and it stood with me for a little while. It said, the enemy feeds on everything you're not willing to give to Jesus. It says, the enemy feeds on everything you're not willing to give to Jesus. And I thought to myself, like, boom, rock between the eyes. Like, dude, how many times have I, have I again, given it all? I, I give you all, Jesus. We sing about it, right? I give you all, Jesus. But only a certain amount. And so, and this is where I feel like we can look at that I love this part. Because Jesus turned to the woman and then said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't, give, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil um, to anoint my head, but she has not stopped, or she has anointed my feet with, where, with rare perfume. Simon uh, didn't do certain things that this lady ended up coming in and presenting to Jesus. His heart posture was, I want to say yes to Jesus, but only with my own limits or limitations that I want to put on him. But yet, here comes this lady with a full-hearted yes to Jesus. 
that every single one of us, myself included, can, can really be reminded, am I giving it all to him or am I only giving so much to make sure that I get the good Holy Ghost boost, goose, goose pimples on, on, on the outside? Or am I really allowing the Holy Spirit to live and breathe inside of me? To burn up all that doesn't need to be there so that when I'm at the grocery store and someone walks past me and says like, man, my leg is just really hurting. You're like, wait, what? You know, <laughs> I know a guy that can do something great. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something. It's like your, your spiritual antennas. That's what happened the other day at Walmart. Like she walked past me and she was like, you know, but it, it didn't work out, but it's okay though. Listen, we're, we're, God's doing some great things in her life. So, um, but it's like what we can be able to do, though, is to have that antenna up to be able to say, I'm giving it all to him so that the enemy has no stronghold in my life. Even the guilt and shame of my sin, I want to give it all to him so the enemy has no stronghold in my life. Because when I give it all to him, guess what? He promises to take care of it. He promises to cast into a sea of forgetfulness. And then what does he do? As he rises us up to be his children again, Amen. to say, hey, you messed yourself up. Okay, let's, let's fix you up. Let's fix your collar. Let's, let's get you the dust off. Okay, perfect. You're amazing. Move forward. <laughs> to hear his words, the lady, I'm sure, as she's kneeling at his feet from behind, as she's hearing his words, as she's, I, I can only imagine the conversation that's happening within the room of what people are saying and what's happening and, and, and Jesus is standing still. It's like, man, can you imagine the compassion and love that he had in the room at that very moment? Do you know that he has that exact same compassion and love when you walked in here today? Amen. That he has that exact, Jesus has that exact same feeling when she began to wash his feet, when she began to dry his feet with her hair, I thought how interesting enough is that she's crying, she's weeping, she's literally bringing her brokenness to him. And then she uses her hair of something in that culture that may have given her identity, that may have said who she was, what she was about. And she began to put it on his feet because when I put my identity on his feet, I get to pick up his identity. She put, the, she put her own identity onto his feet so that she can receive the true identity that he has called her to be. And the Bible says that she didn't stop kissing his feet. Man, I'm telling you, because her, her mouth now was too busy loving on Jesus to be complaining about what was going on. Her mouth was too, too, too much involved with what God is doing, proclaiming the goodness of God than it was to be able to start looking around at circumstance or situation around her that she didn't care about. What she cared most about was that my lips will, uh, will proclaim the goodness of God. My lips will proclaim the greatness of God. My lips will come into alignment with who he says I am, not what others may say. I'm not going to repeat it because, remember, I'm not even going to think those thoughts. I'm going to give it to Jesus because he hears them anyways. So she has not, she lays the perfume at his feet, and Simon does all these things, and he says, I've invited him in and hear that you're giving it to him. Jesus says in verse 47, he says, I tell you, her sins that are many have been forgiven. Like, I don't know if there was a pause. I mean, obviously, the translations, I'll change it up a bit. But I don't know if he was like, I tell you, 
her sins, and there were many, have been forgiven. The things that she's thought about, the things that she has, that she has brought to his feet may have been so much that she had thought that why even bring it? So many times I know we think that we, we say he's a great big God, but so many times I think, and even in my own prayer life, I may check and be like, it's, this is going to be a lot, God, so buckle up and be ready. And yet he's like, I, I already know. I'm just waiting for you to just pour it out. Wow. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? You see, earlier when Jesus said something to Simon, Simon said, teacher, tell me. He called him a teacher. And now when Jesus goes to forgive the sins, something that went against what they thought, how, how it should happen, what should really go on. They said, who is this man that goes around forgiving sin? They didn't say, who's this teacher? Who's this rabbi? Who's this prophet? Who's this person? Who's this? They, I mean, they could have said so many different things, but they said, who is this man? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Amen. A lot of times what ends up happening is, is when people come to Jesus, they bring everything to him, and he says, what? Go and sin no more, right? But here's where he meets this lady and says, your faith has saved you, go in peace. You know why he didn't have to say go and sin no more? Because she already had an encounter with him. And here's the deal, when we have a true encounter with God, we don't have to be reminded of the sin to go and sin no more. We just get to be reminded, just go in peace. Go walking in who he's called you to be. Go walking in what God has for you. Go walking in who he says you are. You don't have to worry about what they say, what that says. No, I don't have to worry about that anymore. Why? Because I've already brought it to his feet. I've already broken the box. I've already given it all out to him. Here, here's why she had to break the box. Because what was on the inside was what she wanted to give to him. But what he wanted to fill inside of her was going to be his love, his mercy, and his grace. It was not going to be contained to a box anymore. It was now going to live in within her heart that whenever she walked, wherever she did, any footsteps she took, she took as a child of God. Amen. That the box didn't contain it anymore. The box didn't contain the ideas, the ideology, the theology, the, the, the identity. What more mattered most is the feet that I'm sitting at. What more mattered most was, where do I pour my affection and my love every single morning? It's at the feet of this person called Jesus Christ. And when I pour it out on him, guess what? I get to walk in his peace. 
I get to walk in his love. And I, I don't know what you walked in here with. I know that we all come in with our own alabaster boxes. I know that we all come in with our only things. But, but here's the deal. I believe that what Jesus wants us to do is not limit him anymore to what's inside of here. Not limit him anymore to what we think he's got to do and what we think we, he's got to say or what we think he wants to do. But more to the fact that we break it open so that we can see the glory of God begin to fill the room. Man, but it all starts with, are you going to give up the box? <laughs> are you going to give on the box? Are you going to give up the box? Are you going to hold on to it? Because it gives me comfort. It gives me safety, that safety. You know, our, come on, our kids hold on to like little toys or blankets. They're thing. They hold on to. But yet, as an adult, we're like, we don't do that thing. But we do. We still hold on to it. Because you can take some, Jesus, but not, not all of it, you know? I might break it open a little bit and you can have, no, what happened to the box afterwards? She didn't need it anymore. She didn't need it anymore. Why? Because her faith that says, I've heard about this man named Jesus. I've heard about Jesus Christ, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's if your first time here, I'm so thankful you're here with us. But here, listen, I want you to know that Jesus wants to do something great in your life. But what are we willing to give up? To see the limits be taken off of our family, off of our kids, off of our marriage, off of our city, our state, to see the glory of God begin to fill, not just this place, and we want it to. Believe me, I want it to. That's like my prayer, is I want it to fill this. I want the, the glory cloud to just bust in the room while we're in the middle of singing or preaching. Like, I, I want it to happen in these four walls, but I also want it to happen in the middle of our car. I also want it to happen at the middle of our dinner table. I want it to happen when we're at our work, when we're at our school. I want the glory of God to go with me because I want to go in his peace. So my question is this as you stand. What are you holding on to? Are you willing to give it all to him? When we say completely yes to Jesus, it means that we've got to give up some things. And hey, guess what? We've all been there. There's plenty of times where not only did I have to give up something, I also had to find an accountability partner and had to start talking with them. I also had to submit myself to under Pastor Lynn to say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's gone on in my life and I want you to be able to do it. And he does that all the time with me, checks in and says, hey, not just because we work together, but because he wants to see all that God's got for me and he wants to, to, to be able to walk through that with me. And there's some people here today uh, as the body of Christ that we wanna walk through things with you, but we ultimately want you to know that when you come into an encounter with Jesus, he changes everything. He changes the way we think. He changes the way we love. He changes the way that we talk. But he changes the way that I see myself as a child of God. And that I get to go in the peace. Again, I don't have to go and sin no more. I'm not trying not to sin. I get to go and walk as a child. And guess what? If I make a mistake, there's forgiveness and love to come back to the Father to remind me who I am and then pick me back up and say, all right, let's get going. You got a job to do. He's got so many things for us. Man. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I'm just, sorry, I forgot. I had one more verse. 
It says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm ready to live in overflow. I'm ready to live in overflow with with the Holy Spirit of what he wants to do in my life and to walk in that confidence called his son. So is there anybody who's ready to break the box? Is there anybody who's ready to give it all up and say, hey, I know we're coming to the end of 22, but 23 is going to be our year. That's the thing we're going to go after. There's so much going to happen. Yeah, but I want to know, are we going to break the box to say, today to see the glory of God fill the room tomorrow? Are we willing to break that box? If you're willing to break the box, would you come out of your seat and come to the front? Would that be okay? If you're willing to break the box, come on. Come up to the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want you to put your hands out as we pray and dismiss. And then we have a prayer team. They're going to start praying with you. And then we have pastors that would love. They're going to start going around ministering with you. This is what I really felt. It was like, it's going to be this intimate moment where things are going to have to break. The box is going to have to be broken. And what the Lord really wants to do this morning is to remind you that you are his son. You are his daughter. You are the sheep of his pasture. You are the love of his life. You are the apple of his eye. You are chosen, redeemed, encouraged, and strengthened this morning. And all he's asking for is the full-hearted yes to him. The full-hearted yes, Jesus, you can have it all. Because it cost her everything. But what happened next in that room was so powerful as the encounter that she had with Jesus. And I believe that's what he wants to do this morning. So as you've had a moment to think about those things that you've held on to, and I know even in my own self that I say yes, but with limits. No, God, today we break the limits off to see you get your full reward, to see you be fully you, and for me to be fully me, who I am through you, Jesus, who I am in you, who I am through you. So we say to every heart, every mind, let us just begin to remember the goodness of God. Let us begin to know that you are who you say you are and that you're a redeemer, friend, and lover. And that we are who you say we are, Jesus. That we are your children. We are heirs with you. So we say to every person that came down here, we're just going to take a moment. We're going to sing. But I just want like this. We have a couple minutes here before we actually really normally end. I, I, I want to take a moment. Like really, let's, 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 let's dive in deep. Is that okay? Like, like I really want really to move through this because I feel like it's, these, it's this intimate moment, this encounter with him that God wants to just break open some boxes with you. But break open the box so he can really fill you with him so Jesus we just say right now 
Help us to break open the box. Not just to invite you into the house, but to invite you into our heart. Not just to, to invite you in to maybe change a curtain, to maybe move a piece of furniture, but to actually do a complete renovation that this temple, this heart would look and be only for you. Would look just like you, Jesus. So